preaching this sermon while standing on the BOSU ball just for entertainment, but decided against it. So this week I, I came across an article uh, written in December of last year, December of 2022, and the author of that article was looking forward to the year 2023, and he wrote that 2023 would be a year marked by disruption. That was the word he chose to use. 2023 is going to be a year marked by disruption uh, in every arena uh, that, that we encounter. And so now we are at the end of 2023, and we can assess, was he right? Was 2023 a year of disruption? And my assessment would be that he was pretty on point. So here's just a couple different fronts where we experienced disruption. On the, the climate front, 2023 was the hottest year on record. Every month from June to November set a new record. On the global front, things feel increasingly tenuous. The Russian uh, war with Ukraine is in year two, continuing with no end in sight. Israel's war with Hamas is a powder keg. Um, refugees are fleeing war-torn countries all over the world. Diplomatic relations seem more tenuous than ever. On the economic front, inflation hit the entire world in 2023. On the technological front, AI is as frightening as it is exciting. The, the line between virtual, what is virtual and what is real is becoming indistinguishable. Every industry has already been impacted by AI and will continue to be impacted. And then on the political front, at least here in the United States, we are a house divided against itself and we are heading into an election year. So looking forward, I would ask this, is there any reason to believe that 2024 is going to be any less disruptive? Do we have any reason to believe that 2024 is, is going to be less di disruptive? In fact, could we not say that every single year since the fall of mankind has been disruptive? Like, isn't this a, one of the consequences of living in a world marked by rebellion against God is disruption. That disruption caused by mankind's rebellion has affected and infected everything. Every person, I feel it, I'm sure you feel it, every family unit, every community, every nation, every human system has been affected by this this disruption caused by sin. So the question this morning that I'm asking is, what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us who believe in a God who is almighty, who believe in a God who is sovereign, who believe in a God who is working everything out in conformity to his will? How are we to live in a world that is marked by disruption. 
And so we're going to turn to a passage from Isaiah to look for a few answers uh, to that question. Isaiah lived at a time of turmoil and disruption. He lived at a time when the uh, tribe of Judah was at civil war with the northern tribes. He lived at a time when Assyria was the dominant imperial power seeking to, to throw its weight around the world. He lived towards the end of his ministry at a time when Israel was in exile in Babylon. And so he knew about disruption. He knew about turmoil. And in Isaiah 55, chapter 55, he's writing to the exiles living in Babylon, Babylon, and he's trying to offer them an encouraging word, a word from the Lord. So join me as we pray for the reading of God's word. Father God, we thank you that you have given us your word so that we might have a firm place to stand in a world where things can seem so uncertain. We invite you to speak to each one of us today the word that you want us to hear. Grant us ears to hear that word and then the grace to trust and act upon that word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah 55, the first three verses. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. So water and bread. Because we are blessed to live in a first world country, water and bread are two things that we seldom think about. We turn on the faucet to fill our Stanleys and, and just expect water to come out. We may pray, give us today our, our daily bread, but not with the same urgency of somebody who really has some questions about whether there will be daily bread. Water and bread equal life. No water, no bread equals death. God has created every living thing from the tiniest bacteria to the largest of animals to be dependent upon water. We can survive without precious metals. We can survive without silver, without gold. We can survive without diamonds. But without water, without bread, we perish. Which makes water and bread more precious than silver, more costly than gold, and more beautiful than diamonds? Two billion people, it's estimated, live daily with water uncertainty. That's one in every four people on the planet. They think about water constantly. From the moment they wake up to the moment they, they go to bed, the number one question that confronts them every single day is in relation to water and bread. 
where can I get water today? Where can I get bread? When there is water and food uncertainty, everything else becomes secondary. So imagine our community. Imagine if there was water and bread scarcity in our community. We don't have to imagine too hard to, to know what that would look like. Check this image out. Do you remember that? Toilet paper scarcity. Ah! What if it was water? What if it was bread? You see, we, we all know we need water. Our thirst compels us to seek water. We know we need food. Our hunger compels us to eat. Do we know, do you know that you really need God in order to survive? In the same way we need water and bread to survive, we need God more than that to survive. So disruption, disruption of 2023, the disruption that is coming in 2024, sometimes it's disruption that God causes us to finally recognize that need. Disruption can help stimulate our hunger and our thirst for God. When you're coasting down easy street, it's easy to start missing mealtime with God. Like, I've got this. Things are, are going well. I'm in control. I'm, I'm self-sufficient. And then it just takes one or two disruptions in our life to shatter that illusion. I'm not self-sufficient. I'm not in control. I don't have this. I need God. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That same hunger that we have for food, that same thirst we have for water, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for God, for righteousness, and he promises, you bring that hunger and thirst to God and you will be filled. So five times in those first three verses of Isaiah 55, God says, come, come, come all of you who are thirsty, come. Can there be any question that God desires a relationship with you? It's not for God's sake that he bids us to come. God is not deficient in any manner. He's not lacking anything that he needs us to, to supply. He bids us to come because he knows that our well-being depends upon it. He says, give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. Doesn't that sound beautiful? That your soul may live. Is your soul living? Do you feel alive at the soulish level? God created us with souls that are thirsty, with hearts that are hungry. And he knows that if we don't turn to him to get those needs met, we are going to turn to a polluted stream. We are going to turn to some poisoned food to get those needs met, to satisfy our thirst and our hunger. 
Why spend money, he asks, on what's not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? The question is really, how, how are things working out for you? Is, is your approach to life working for you right now? Are you finding satisfaction at the soul level? Is it well with your soul? In the Broadway play Hamilton, there's a song where Hamilton um, is speaking with Angelica, and he confesses that he will never be satisfied. So there's a hundred things I haven't done, but just you wait. Just you wait. When I get to those things, then I'm going to find that thing that I'm, I'm missing, that my soul is craving. Then I'll be satisfied. Power, influence, notoriety, family, advancement, accomplishment. He gets it all, and none of it satisfies. This is the human condition. This is the condition of every one of us. We have this hunger and thirst that God has placed inside of us, and now we live our life trying to meet that need. And if we don't go to God, we are going to go to something else the Bible calls that an idol. We create idols trying to get those needs, those legitimate needs met, but we try and get them met in illegitimate ways. The way St. Augustine described it, he said that our hearts are restless until they rest in thee, until they rest in God. So Isaiah continues verse 6. We're going to skip a few verses he says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon. So tonight the New Year's Eve ball will drop on 2023. The year will be officially over. No opportunity to go back and, and have a, a do-over. But tomorrow morning, Lord willing, the sun will rise, and it's going to mark the beginning of a new year. Tomorrow is an opportunity to take some actions that maybe we wished we would have taken in 2023. Isaiah encourages us that one of those actions would be seek the Lord. Seek the Lord, as a deer pants for water, may our souls pant for the living God in 2024. Seek the Lord while he may be found. You and I don't know what this year has in store for us. None of us do. What we can assume, what we can, can even know, is that there's going to be more disruption. There is going to be more disruption on the global level the national level, there's going to be disruption in our communities. There's going to be disruption in our family and in our own private lives. We know this. God says, seek me while I may be found. Take hold of my strong right arm. Plant your feet on solid ground. And then, though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, 
Though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, we will not fear. We will not fear because God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is our strong right hand to which we hold. Isaiah then offers a a word of hope. It was a word of hope to the exiles in Babylon, a word of hope to us today. And that word is that even though everything around us may seem to indicate that God has let go of the steering wheel, that, that things are completely out of control, that darkness has won, Isaiah is saying, don't trust that. He said, my thoughts, this is God speaking, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. In other words, in a word, trust. Trust me, God says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Why do we not lean on our own understanding? It's because we are so nearsighted. We are so nearsighted. We don't see what God sees. We don't know what God knows. And so when we look at the disruption in our world, and our conclusion is, God, you've let go of the steering wheel, it's only because we don't see what he sees, and we don't know what he knows. If we saw what he sees, if we knew what he knows, everything would make complete sense to us. But we don't, and so what are we left with? We're left with trust. Trust God. He is our refuge. He is our strength. And there is not a single thing, there is not a single person, there is not a single nation, power, authority, that can disrupt his intentions. There's no world leader who can overthrow God's will. There's no nation, no matter how powerful, that can undermine what God has determined to do. There's no condition, there's no circumstance that can stymie God. Continuing, he says, As the rain and the snow comes down from heaven and doesn't return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. When God speaks a word, that word comes to pass. That word comes to fruition. When he says, let there be light, there is light. Darkness does not have veto power. Our enemy has no veto power when it comes to the the will of God. So remember to whom it is that Isaiah is writing. He's writing to people living in exile. And every bit of evidence around them seems to indicate that darkness has won. The evidence seems to indicate that God's good intentions have been thwarted and that God must be helpless to do anything about it. And again, Isaiah would say to them, don't believe that for a second. And so today, on the eve of a new year, 
that is sure to bring with it a certain amount of disruption, don't believe for a second that darkness has won. God is on the throne. God is working all things out in conformity to his will, and he offers us a strong arm to hold and a firm place to stand. And so Isaiah 55 ends with the promise of a glorious homecoming. Literally, this is written to people who who are in exile, but we also know figuratively this is speaking about the the foretaste, the, the hope that we have of heaven. So you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. There is a day that is coming for all whose hope is in the Lord where there will be no more disruption, no more corruption. The thorn, which we know is a consequence of the fall, is going to be replaced by the cypress. On that day, mountains and hills, they won't quake, they won't surge, they're going to break forth into singing. And on that day, we will know joy like we've never known it. We will know peace. Maybe 2024 will be that day. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray. Hasten, hasten that day. But until that day, the Lord says to us, seek me. Hunger for me like you hunger for bread. Thirst for me like you thirst for water. And trust me, even when you don't understand all that's going on around you, put your trust in me.